0: Welcome to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. And I'm joined by, you know, just once I'd like to be opposite someone who I disagree with completely, but it won't be today. Okay. Yasmin Aliyah Khan, uh, extraordinary commentator. And we're just so pleased to have you on the show. I think today your insight will be particularly uh, noteworthy. Um, it always is, but this day is going to be important to us. So what do you there's say a lot going on today? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on today. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. So let's start with this one. He's gone. Age 100, the former Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, has died. Henry Kissinger shaped decades of U.S. policy, dead at the age of 100. He just traveled to China this past summer. Kissinger served as Secretary of State under Presidents Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, he was also National Security Advisor. While some are reflecting on his accomplishments, not some, I mean, this is a mass media, well, they're reminiscing about all he did for mankind. And it was all seemed so lovely and flowery. But uh, many, though, are now branding him a war criminal. What is his legacy? Here's what Rolling Stone has to say. Measuring purely by confirmed kills, the worst mass murder ever executed by the United States was the white supremacist terrorist, rather, Timothy McVeigh. McVeigh, who is his own psychotic way, thought he was saving America, never remotely killed on the scale of Kissinger, the most revered American grand strategist of the second half of the 20th century. Just let that marinate if you can, Rolling Stone again. Now what warrants this kind of response, you may be asking? As National Security Advisor, Kissinger arranged and oversaw a massive expansion of US bombings in not just Vietnam, but Cambodia, Laos as well. The death toll experts estimate at as much as 50,000 box, adding those well. Extraordinary numbers, just horrific. 1970, Nixon demanded the Air Force to intensify its bombings. Kissinger relayed the order by saying a massive bombing campaign in Cambodia. Anything that flies on, anything that moves. Media light with that quote, indiscriminate killing. That's what it sounds like. As Richard Nixon's national security advisor in 1971, Kissinger was the prime mover behind the U.S.'s choice to quietly back West Pakistan and its campaign against residents of East Pakistan, now Bangladesh, which would claim hundreds of thousands of lives. As Ford's national security advisor and secretary of state in 1975, Kissinger gave Indonesian dictator Suharto an explicit green light to invade East Timor. An action which resulted in the deaths of at least 100,000 civilians. There's a theme here. Before his time in office, he acted to sabotage peace talks in Paris to end the conflict, but brought those talks to a conclusion in 1973, winning a Nobel Peace Prize. The accord, however, completely failed to end the war, which concluded with the US South Vietnamese defeat in 1975. What is your legacy? I don't know if you think about that. I suspect every individual will wonder one day how they'll be remembered. Uh, I guess, Yasmin, I want to start with the announcement of Kissinger's death, age 100, and the glowing obits, the commentary that I saw. I don't know if you did initially. Uh, They were pouring in, and they all sounded the same. And then Rolling Stone dropped this headline. Okay. And I said, "Why?" Right on cue, we were in the meeting, and I, and I said, "Marissa, I, I wonder if there's anything out there that doesn't agree with this this flowery portrayal."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um- the author of that Rolling Stone piece, Spencer Ackerman, uh, he's one who I think you can count on for exactly what you're looking for. Uh, he's very, very well informed. He's been covering national security issues in this country for a long time. Uh, so when I saw this headline and when I saw that he wrote it, I really wasn't surprised at all. He's been incredibly critical throughout his career of the American military and all of our overseas operations and foreign relations and things like that. He wrote a book recently called Reign of Terror, in which he is very critical of the U.S.'s response to the 9-11 attacks. So, I mean, this coming from Spencer Ackerman, there's no better source that it could have come from, in my opinion. Uh, he's very well informed, and he's not one to sugarcoat, as I'm sure you noticed from that headline.
0: Yeah, I love it. Uh, just the truth speaker. I also yeah. think he's brave and, and I don't know of his work. I haven't read as much as you have. I intend to, though, based on this. You had me at war criminal. Okay. But it, I call him brave because this, this media, and I don't, well, yes, I do probably mean to rail on the media all the time, but everyone's so focused on fake news and, you know, disinformation, which is different than misinformation. Okay. You're deliberately going out there. But I think one of the most um, problematic things in American society today, perhaps throughout the world, is this group thing. It's this lazy group thing. It's this cowardice, although I get it. Some people will be ostracized. Some people will lose their jobs if they just dare to investigate something and just represent, not opinion, just, did you know about this? And so I wonder what you make of that. This is a very Important writer here who's done this. And I guess in this case, Rolling Stone did something good here in in publishing it, as is, I I hope, with the integrity that it was written. But this mass media group think okay, you have this versus what everybody else is saying. And by the way, I will tell you, Yasmin, that as soon as this came out, okay, and Marissa pushed it out, within, uh, I guess, an hour, I heard one of the cable channels stop. They just added one word. His controversial legacy. That's not what you said an hour ago. Okay. Now your group think, oh, I better I'll just same report, but they just inserted and then put a little disclaimer at the end. So what do you make of that? Do you agree with me? It's dangerous. Well, it's
1: it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of what I was seeing whenever I first saw the headline was more about just like every outlet was trying very carefully to choose each word to not criticize Kissinger and also to acknowledge that like maybe he wasn't the most well liked person. Maybe he might have done some things in his career that were completely and utterly heinous. You know, I think whenever things like this happen you know, whether it's someone who, whenever somebody who served our nation's government passes away, right? It's a strange reckoning for Americans because nobody wants to speak ill of the dead, generally speaking. But then there are some figures in American history who are living, who have passed recently. They're so bad that it's hard to, you know, celebrate the legacy that supposedly they were building this whole time, you know, like the legacy. However, Kissinger thought he was going to be remembered he's going to be remembered very differently. Or maybe, you know, he understands that Americans are better informed now than we have been in the past. We know about the things that he's done. We know about the impacts that his actions have had on millions of people around the world, right? But the thing is, if we go back now and criticize anything that Kissinger has done, he did everything he did in the service of the United States government. So in order to criticize him, we're in effect criticizing the government, everything our government stands for, everything our government has done and has said, yes, Kissinger, we can do these things that you're advising us to do. Yeah.
0: I think you said it brilliantly, and I also believe that, even though, okay, in official capacity, Nixon Ford, right? he served and, and wielded enormous influence over these U.S presidents and, and our government as a whole. But as you know, he was in the ear of many, including the current one presidents. He stayed around forever and didn't just go off to some quiet community and play golf. He wanted to keep influencing. I, I heard this morning that. He's getting credit for opening up relations again after a little frosty, better part of a year between the United States and China. He cleared the way for President Biden to have that, that summit. And I think that's dangerous. Fresh faces, young ideas, and that doesn't always mean chronologically. New people, new energy, people who don't look like Kissinger is, is something that is necessary as we look at these legacies you know, that are formed. As after Ronald Reagan died, I remember that things were shaped. This was executed to a T. You, I even shed a tear as the sunset came down and Ronald Reagan was laid to rest in the It was so beautiful. I shed a tear. You almost forgot. Okay, I'm sure. Those air traffic controllers didn't forget about losing their jobs, and a lot of other people said, "What happened to the inner city?" That said, these sanitized portrayals, I guess. I took the long road there, Yasmin. I'll give you the last word.
1: Yeah. So I think whenever we have these situations, we all have to kind of say, okay, should we be celebrating these people? Why were we celebrating them in the first place? And why we clung on to these people for so long? He was a hundred years old and he was still in the ear of presidents, as you mentioned. And we have to ask, why is that? And I know that we're actually going to talk about this more in a story that we're going to be covering later on in the show, but it's interesting to see there is oftentimes a lot of overlap between the two parties, whether or not on the surface, underneath, there's they have a lot of the same people advising them. They have interesting people advising them who you think wouldn't be advising to certain parties, things like that, donors from across the aisle, whatever, what have you. A lot of it is really just about power. And the two-party system is kind of just a, a front at this point.
0: Yeah, and we know this because when corporate America and these same companies give to both sides, mm-hmm. hmm, yeah, I think you are serving their interests, not ours. Former BLM leader now says he's voting for Trump in 2024, okay? Why he's not getting the invite. And I'm going to tell you the rest. Mark Fisher is on the right, the former senior director for the Black Lives Matter Rhode Island branch. We'll show you. There he is. Hey, Mark. Proudly now voicing his support to make Donald Trump president again in 2024. I think he used the L word. It's more than support. This is love. Love.
2: You know, this is my favorite story of the day. Because it identifies with what I've seen in the barbershop. All the brothers for some reason right now are turning tides right now. And I just wonder what is the big reason?
3: I think personally, it's the duplicity of the Democrats, Mm. the hypocrisy. Um, We're not stupid, the brothers are not stupid. We, We understand when someone's for us and when someone is not. And it's obvious that the Democratic Party is not for
2: us. You're not saying the entire Republican Party, you're saying Donald Trump. So what is it about Donald Trump? Is it the economics? You noted the black family. What is it gonna take for him to sure up this support amongst black voters?
3: A lot of people are misinformed, they don't really understand because they don't educate themselves on Donald Trump as a person and his history. Um, but if they do that, and it's going to take, you know, leaders, educated leaders, getting the word out there, um, I think that it, it'll happen on its own and it'll be organic because, um, personally, I love the man. Why,
2: why did you end up leaving Black Lives Matter? Are you still affiliated with it? No,
3: no, no, I'm still affiliated with it. My message that I preach and, and, and that I tout is unity. It's a message of unity, it's unity driven. I want to bring together all the marginalized groups from the, the margins and bring them to the center because we're stronger together as a as a one nation under uh, indivisible under God.
0: I'm trying to remember if I heard Trump utter that sentiment at one of his rallies. I don't think I heard that, but then I didn't stick around to watch all of them. Uh, Before we get to yet another example, Fisher was introduced as the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, you heard it there, chapter in Rhode Island during an interview on Fox and Friends that was. As you heard explain what Trump will get his vote, in the next election, as well as why he and other voters are steering away from the Democrats, hey, I don't really have a problem with uh, a degree to a degree, uh, what he uttered about the Democratic Party, who has left many behind and has not uh, fought hard enough for other values, other views that are important in this country contributing to this country. But the L" word
1: freaked me out. What about you? Uh, here we there, are. There's, yeah, there's a lot going on here. You know, there's a lot to, to think about whenever you have somebody who was or is, I guess, still affiliated with Black Lives Matter. And now he's saying, you know, people are not educated enough on Trump. And I, I you know, I feel like they are. I feel like it's also insulting to say that people aren't. Is there a shift in the barbershop? I have no idea, right? I'm not in the barbershop. But sometimes people can say something on public platforms, like I think this was on Fox News, and they can kind of intentionally create a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You put doubt in people's minds, you put ideas in people's minds, and that is a very intentional way to present a story. Um, as you mentioned, also, you know, the Democrats are not beyond reproach, right? They really need to value their voters more than they seem to have lately. I think right now, a lot of people, black, brown, whoever, we're all very upset and disappointed with the current administration for a variety of reasons. We feel let down. And the Democrats, um, they need to fight a little bit harder, a little bit. They need to fight harder for people's votes. They can't just rely on people being so afraid of another Trump presidency that they just vote for Biden. They need to fight a little bit harder and they need to keep their promises to their constituents or else we are going to start to see people going the other way unfortunately the only other way that people have to go is all the way to the republican party and I'm, i i don't think that that's a better option for them uh that said uh a lot of uh in a lot of different communities whether that's the black community the immigrant community as well uh you do see a lot of conservatism within those communities right maybe not politically but they do align more with you know Strong family values, they go to church, things like that. So they do hold conservative values, but their party is the liberal party. So sometimes there is a bit of a disconnect there. But again, we have two parties to choose from. So, you know, you kind of have to pick which one is better in alignment with you. I would love to see more parties, but that I don't think we're gonna see that anytime soon.
0: Yeah, the lesser of two evils is really what it is. Um he went further though, to explain the context of his his thoughts, his feelings, his promise vote three weeks ago, another interview. It's time the Kim Iverson show. Fisher said black voters have been used and abused by Democrats for too long, stating that they don't value the black vote. Do you feel alone in this viewpoint in the world that you're in being in the BLM movement?
3: No, I feel like no. the tide is starting to turn. I feel like really? a lot of people are starting to pivot off of that Democratic plantation for so long. Uh, we've been slaves to that uh, party, you know. Actually, we've been mental slaves uh, afraid to get off of that plantation because, uh, you know, we've been used and abused for so long. That party, they don't value our vote. Uh, their policies are basically um, racist policies. and mm-hmm. I believe it's a racist party that strikes at the heart of the, the black family and the nuclear family in general. And I believe Donald Trump is hes the opposite. He's he's going to tell you how, how it is. He's going to give it to you straight. He's not going to. Um, You know, uh, you're a hypocrite and, and, you know, stab you in the back like the Democratic Party loves to do. Trump has done more for the Black community than I can, any president I can think of in my lifetime.
0: For the first 12 seconds, I was okay with it. I was largely okay with it. The rest of it, (laughs) again, it's this thought of uh, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? The lesser of two. Evils, But let's let's talk about the numbers, the polling numbers for Atlanta Black Star. September, the Washington Post reported the results of several polls that showed Trump averaging 20% of black voters, 42% of Hispanic voters, and national favorability compared with the 2020 presidential election when he took just 8% of the black vote, 36% of the Hispanic vote. Earlier this month, new polls by the New York Times and Siena College Revealed 22% of black voters in six of the most important battleground states said they would support Trump in 2024. About 71% said they would support Biden. These are quite eye-opening revelations, seen as over the past 50 years, Democrats have never earned less than 80% of the black vote in presidential elections, and no Republican candidate has ever won more than 12%. Business Insider reported Trump on Wednesday welcomed the idea that he'd be supported by the BLM movement, weren't you holding a Bible upside down and releasing tear gas on a peaceful crowd? I, there, I could be, the team will tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought I saw that, Mr. Trump. Supported by the BLM movement, a group he's treated as public enemy for years. You see, that was right. Wrote on Truth Social that he had spoken with Fisher. Of course you have, of course you have. Spoke with Mark Fisher yesterday, great guy, very honored to have his support and BLM support. I've done more for black people than any other president. Lincoln? Lincoln? It's a question mark. Including 10-year funding for historically black colleges and universities where they had none, opportunity zones, criminal justice reform, and much more. Thank you, Mark. I have to tell you, he's told many lies. There's some truth in there. Okay? The reasons, the motivation, there's some truth in there. Democrats, where are you? Insider notes his response stands in contrast, though, to his past comments about BLM, which he would criticized even before his presidency and called a, quote, symbol of hate. Black Lives Matter leaders have condemned Fisher's remarks. And Trump, Gary Dansler, leader of Black Lives Matter Rhode Island, told the Providence Journal that Fisher wasn't a co-founder of the organization, but had worked under it for some months. Mark Fisher stated he was one of the co-founders of BLM, Dancer told the outlet. Absolutely not. He was a respected advocate for BLM. That's it. He was paid, and somewhere he got fired and demoted. Business Insider with the details there. Talk about putting his business in the street. Fisher is listed as the founder of BLM Incorporated, an organization that says it exists to assist the Black Lives Matter movement. You see what they did there? However, the website also said it is not affiliated with any other Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter Foundation has also condemned Fisher's remarks in a statement of Business Insider. This is a publicity stunt. Statement said, right wing continues to use and amplify fringe black voices to create an idea of broad support for their corrupt candidates. Statement called Fisher's organization illegitimate, said it had no connection to the wider Black Lives Matter movement. While disputing that Fisher should be called a Black Lives Matter leader. Anyone can start an organization and add the words Black Lives Matter to it in an attempt to muddy the waters of our movement, as Mark Fisher did, said. Statement then went on to blast Trump, calling him a quote, terrorist who committed treason and tried to subvert American democracy, end quote. Then it added, he is no friend of black people seeking to live in a just society. Other red flags about Fisher versus Snopes, where you go to see, is this true? He had expressed support for conservative views before as well, including August 2023, when he called for the January 6th U.S. Capitol rioters. Uh, He called them political prisoners, said he stood in solidarity with them. He also spoke out in support of members of the Proud Boys movement who participated in the Capitol riots. He told the Epic Times, October 23, their lambs led to slaughter to be sacrificed as an example for all who might Want to dissent in the future. According to the caption of the YouTube clip for Iverson's November 2023 radio show, Fisher stepped down from his leadership position position at the older BLM soon after he began making his opinions about Trump known. Now, Yasmin, I smell a few things here. Um, and they're green. And, you know, money's dirty. You really should touch it very little. Okay. I don't even carry cash. It's dirty. But I smell um someone who wants to get paid and who will sell a soul and use, allow his self to be used to confuse, participate in disinformation, probably wants to be relevant too. But I smell the root of money is is the evil here.
1: Do you think I'm wrong? No, I'm so glad you actually said that because that is exactly what stood out to me is, you know, he's talking about how black people are subservient to the democratic party and how they're still stuck on this like metaphorical plantation with the democrats but in the meantime he's allowing himself to be used as a token to this white billionaire who does not respect him or black people as we have seen time and time and time and time again right so what is his actual goal that's what we have to ask maybe he is out there for the money maybe he really is looking out for the black community but in the clips that we saw, I didn't actually hear him say anything specific as to why the Republican Party is somehow now better than the Democrats are for black people. I didn't hear him say anything as to why Donald Trump is a good candidate for black people to be supporting. He didn't really get, get into a lot of specifics. Maybe he did elsewhere, and I don't know. But you know, if he was truly looking out for his community, I think what he would be doing instead is trying to hold the Democratic leaders accountable. Democrats have a much more diverse party. Any way you slice it, right, in terms of gender, race, religion, uh, age, everything, right? The Democrats are definitely the more uh, diverse party. They're the ones who are going to look out for the most different types of people. They've been dropping the ball lately, right? And I think that that is a very valid criticism. And if he has those criticisms, he should be talking about that. He should be raising those criticisms. I think we do that here on this channel, right? That's what you need to be doing if you're actually looking out for your people. Hold your leaders accountable. And if you don't like them, say, look, we're gonna primary you. We're gonna vote you out. Do something. You have other options besides jumping over to Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, this whole thing, this is my opinion. Okay, we'll label it as that. Was not an accident, okay? This was orchestrated by those in the Trump orbit. Suddenly, the former president is this truth socialing about him. Okay, somewhere I smell, I smell Bannon, I smell his cologne. Okay, this was all a set, oh, now he's, you know, Fox News. It's, It's just so funny how everyone just picked it up. I'm telling you, as a broadcaster my entire career, we're a little lazy. Okay, we're late to the party. We are mass thinkers, okay? So this whole thing was no accident, but we'll continue to follow it wherever it goes. You know where it's going. Student. Boy, this was a vicious, vicious attack. Who broke a black female student's nose and uttered the N-word. I don't know how many times but it was over and over and over and over again. Will not, not face hate crime charges. What else were they looking for here? Her hmm. Atlanta black star, the 15-year-old white male student from Shawnee Mission East High School in Kansas City, Kansas, has been charged with felony aggravated battery in the Johnson County District Court After allegedly breaking his black female classmate's nose during that hallway fight we covered for you, well, just the other day, yesterday, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. The picture is just scary as all get up, folks. recap, two sophomores had a tense altercation captured on video when the male student rushed down the hall screaming, what? N-word? What? Right before, he violently pushed Bree, the black student who responded with a right hook to his face. So, I don't know if the deciding factor was that as he landed the punch, broke her nose, he didn't at that millisecond say the N word. It was just before. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a prosecutor. I'm just trying to figure out why. The community believes racism was, of course, at the center of the incident, particularly since right before the fight, as the Kansas City defender reported, the black student was involved in another exchange with a white female student about her calling. Black students, slaves. Kansas City defender with the details here. Salt led protest locally. Students organized a school walkout in response to the incident. Students said they did not feel safe at the school and asserted that school administrators had not previously taken their concerns regarding racism on campus seriously. Young lady was the victim of a hate crime and it should be treated as such, said Anisha Jackson, a parent of a now graduated Shawnee Mission student, told the Kansas City Star. She was protecting herself essentially from videos I saw as she was being assaulted. I'm not sure why she got suspended. The mom also has been asking for officials to address the racism issue at the school. Wednesday, November 28th. An emergency review hearing was called regarding the now viral fight. And the male student was mandated to be held in custody. He will face charges as a minor. The teen whose name is being withheld because of his age has been in trouble before. He is currently facing charges, including aggravated battery, aggravated assault and battery, in a separate June case, according to court records. Female student also faced a penalty for her part in the fight. Her parents say she was suspended for five days. The district has declined to provide details about its response to the incident or if any punishment measures were implemented. While we cannot share specific information about the incident or the district's response, district wants to reassure the community it takes proactive measures to create a safe Educational environment where every student feels a sense of belonging. District spokesman David Smith had the nerve to say, "Black Student Solidarity Network, a youth-led organization formed in 2022 amidst a surge of racial violence in Kansas and Missouri, has urged the district to expel the white student and issue a formal and public apology to the girl for suspecting her. Black students must have the right to defend themselves without fear of unjust punishment," group said. In a social media post, I'm so sick of people, Yasmin. This has got to stop here. They are reactionary, okay? That's what this district is. Why do you need to have an emergency meeting? Because people were chanting outside your door, holding signs, demanding better of you. And suddenly have this emergency meeting, Yasmin, that, uh, oh yeah, we are. Yeah, we are going to hold them accountable. And I predict, I'll I'm, I'm let you talk, but I, I predict it's not going to go down like this just because you charge somebody with all that or hold them accountable initially doesn't mean they ultimately will be. What say you?
1: Yeah, these things don't happen in a vacuum. They don't just spring up out of nowhere, right? And it seems from the students' reactions that they had been kind of Ringing the, you know, raising the flags about saying, you know, there's some racist kids in these schools. I don't feel safe in this school, uh, and nothing was really done. And now we're here, and now it's made national headlines, and now we're talking about it on this show, and now they're saying, oh, we got to do something, right? So the the concern was never really about the safety of the students. Maybe they were gaslighting the kids, saying, oh, it's not really that serious. I don't know what was going on, but. At the end of the day, what I would love to see is that kids just go to school and then they learn things and then they go out into the world and they're better people for it. Uh, I think right now the the whole climate across the country, you know, whether you're talking about like politically or socially or wherever that overlap happens. You know, a lot of times we see kids parent parroting what their parents are saying at home. Uh, they kind of learn a lot of their values and their understanding of the world through their parents and teachers and church members and things like that. But now we also have social media that's also playing a factor. That's yeah. playing a role in these things. And I wonder, and don't, you know, this is just me thinking out loud at this point, but I wonder if, you know, the kids' technology and social media move so quickly, right? We don't have the education as far as like the impact that things like TikTok and this, you know, like fast. Mm-hmm. You know, quick content has on people's minds and the way that they think and the way that they understand things. And the teachers surely don't understand these things better than the kids. So who's there to help them navigate that space? So they're getting a lot of ideas from all over the place, may, may or may not be credible sources that they're consuming all the time. And then they're seeing a lot of things in the world and they really haven't been in the world for that long. So they're trying to like piece together a lot of things. And I don't know. Now you see hate crimes in schools again. Yeah.
0: That's what we're seeing here. And I will say this that these students are learning. You said you wish they could go to school, learn, and get out and be better people. I think that's what you said. They're learning to be violent, racist. Okay. And they're learning when they get out, I suspect, if this continues to be better, racist, and more violent. I will tell you this this has got to be a story we follow up on. And this is a story that we have to, um, Pay attention to, I would fire David Smith before I did anything else. Who was David Smith? Well, this is the district spokesman who dared use, I think, a sinful phrase. Proactive measures. <laughs> the, if this is proactive, David, and I don't care if you're just a mouthpiece, I'd hate to see what happens when you just kind of sit back and chill. This is crazy. What's up is down, what's right is left. And this cannot continue. But as long as it does, we'll be here. Much more indisputable when we return. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, Yasmin, Aaliyah Khan, with the, it's just the three names. Again, if I had three names, well, who knows? Sky's the limit. We're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, Yasmin Aaliyah Khan joins us. TYT, extraordinary contributor. Um, Tis the season, already there's a certain group that's working overtime and the run up to the holidays no matter what you celebrate. Uh, they really are getting it in because I suppose they'll take a break maybe. Well, do they ever really break? You know who we're talking about. I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a you know. Sunday. You're
1: still you. Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. <laughs> get out. Mm. You can't you want to press charges on me, but you can't. I'm not doing anything
4: to you. <laughs> oh, because Steve told you! Steve told you! Steve told you what I can do. Get out. Get out. Get out.
2: Bitch! You put your f- hands on Oh, me. and you hit me in the face. Oh
1: my god! You put your hands on me first! No, you put your hands on me first. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Because you oh, oh to Oh my husband. god! Get out. I'm Steve's on Um, your what? see
2: what? I'm Four. can you see Oh I'm <laughs> you
0: There's the well, we have the caption. I didn't know this was like they were trying out for WWE. At least that development complex they send folks to in Orlando, and then they see if you make the cut, this is crazy. Okay, someone's intoxicated, perhaps, and but very strong. Okay, the anti-Karen who's trying—I guess—trying to prevent the neighbor if the captain's to be. Believe caption rather is having a really tough time getting the smaller suspect out. What do you make of this? And I can't even imagine you ever being in this situation, Yasmin. But what do you do?
1: You can't imagine me on which side of it, like trying well, to defend myself or trying and to push it, my way into in <laughs> That's right, they're not getting in there. Oh wow, yeah, it, it, what what a insane situation, you know, especially. I don't know if this woman is living alone or or what, but like, what do you do in a situation like that? I think about this a lot because I am a, a very small woman, right? And so, you know, as that, you know, whether or not it's right, you do have to be a little bit more vigilant about your safety and your protection, even when you're at home, especially if you're by yourself, things like that. It's really scary. Um, I don't know what triggered this. I don't know why it's happening. I don't really know a whole lot of things about this scenario, but it is pretty scary. And I I hope everything got sorted out or I hope people sobered up eventually.
0: I predict there'll be another incident. I don't know what happened here completely. Yeah, that's your
1: neighbor. That's not not a good feeling. uh -uh. And they're kind of, the smaller lady, I use the term,
0: was a little gleeful somewhat. Like, can't move me. You know, the whole thing was just, Bizarre, it, it uh, begs you to take a martial arts class, okay? To defend yourself or that appeals something. Use whatever you have, I don't know what this lady wanted. You wanna borrow a cup of sugar, ask nicely, is not the way to do it. Uh, we will see if anything else pops up, if you will, from this altercation.
2: She's out here harassing his, this lady trying to do her job. They're
5: all ganging up on me.
4: Ain't I'm nobody
2: ganging up on you. You know what you was doing. Walk. You was harassing that woman I in, in between those doors. You can't deliver her package. And
4: you black people can't. You can't. That's, that's, you that's
2: your, your, your thing. That's your thing. Because claim, we black. Your, claim, your attitude. Where you going, you going I live on him. video. I told You'll be on YouTube, Karen. You'll be on YouTube, Karen. You will be on YouTube, Karen. For the way that you act. You should have just went oh, on and walked your dog me. and got that out of her way. Over she could not give you, you with be, that package. You should
4: be thankful for you. That package do
2: not belong you. What do you mean by thankful? Thankful to
4: be in our country. You get
2: you, have you have right, you right, you right. You're you right. What's food your, food your name? Your What's your mouth. name? You have a car to drive. You're you're not living in a dust bowl in Africa. So I'm so 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 you're entitled to be in America and I'm not. No, you are You you're entitled to be in America and I'm not.
4: I don't need a bunch of black people ganging up on me.
0: Well, they are, because you earned it. You earned it, and there's more. A black woman told me Bill Clinton screwed a black woman and decided they were human. That is the
4: most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of.
2: Well, you I'm should gr-
4: have known a lot more. Than- I'm,
2: I'm glad, glad you think, think that way.
4: Clinton decided to f- some woman.
2: I'm glad you decided to think that way. We got you, baby. I
4: don't need a bunch of black people getting. We got you, baby. Some black girl. I don't care. We got you, baby. I'm trying to help
2: someone. You cannot help her. She explained it to you that she could not give you them folks packages.
4: I was telling her she couldn't I couldn't let her in. I
2: was telling her don't sneak in the building behind me while I had the door open. Okay, just go ahead on in. Call them, just go ahead. Call them. You call them. You you gonna be on YouTube? Go call your police. I don't care? Go call them. I don't care. You Go call them. Call the police. No, you call them. Because you're on. The you you felt threatened. Path. You shoulda called them yourself.
4: Our little tribal path.
2: All right. You, you remember have that?
4: Problems. You're lucky you're not in a dust bowl in Africa. You
2: remember that when they put your ass out this building? They're not. I'm gonna show you, bad, and I can tell you.
4: You don't belong on this property. Uh huh. I will call the police if this continues with anybody else.
0: Put me off. I tell my daughter that sometimes I can show you better than I can tell you. Neither one seems to work though. She still doesn't clean her room. Listen, this is uh, crazy. And before we move on, I just want to tell you I also watched the dog in this clip. The dog did not want to go with this woman and was signaling both with the tail, okay, and yanking at the leash in the opposite direction. I'm not with her. You heard the cops being mentioned. Cops did show up on the scene, albeit for a different reason.
2: You, you do not have my permission to film me. And you do not have my permission to kill hey me. You, you know. are in a public place and it is constitutional right to do it. This is not, public, you not this is not a public it is his constitutional right. This is it is his constitutional penalty. right to do this. If pay you do my not rent. like it, you can go into your room or leave. Oh, well, let's go in here. But right now there has been no crime. There's nothing we can do about so, do oh, it. So what you come. We're here for some else. We actually got a noise disturbance call. That's really
4: yeah. yeah. No. 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 Was so it was for something upstairs. It
2: was something different. We just
4: happened to come up, up and something else. Well, I've been busy trying to call. FedEx
2: corporate the whole time because mm-hmm. that's what I did last time Okay, well, it'll be a civil issue we can be
4: okay. Yeah, then. I'm not was-
5: concerned about it. Like I said, it has been done before. They get like a lot Okay, well, have a good day. Bye-bye,
0: you as well. I don't know her personally, I don't know her heart, but it appears she has a problem with black people. I was just a guess. Yasmin? I've never seen a mouthier person. Well, maybe I have this segment yesterday, but I do want you to comment because she said this is so over when he called her Karen, something to that effect. Like she didn't really care. She, that's the one thing I perhaps agree with. Mm-hmm. What is your, I guess,
1: global reaction to this footage? Is I, I was laughing while I was watching it for the most part. And then I was shocked while I was watching uh whenever she kept referring to the Dust Bowl in Africa. Whenever she said that him as a Black person should be grateful to be in this country, completely disregarding probably how a lot of black people ended up in this country in the first place, also disregarding the fact that her ancestors were also immigrants in this land. But there's all of that, right? But I've been watching a lot of selling sunset lately. And that's what I was thinking about during this clip. It's like you know, sometimes the people on the show they'll just like start all these fights with all these people, and then whenever everyone's like, "Hey, you're being unreasonable," and you're we don't like you, then all of a sudden they're being ganged up on. So that's what I was thinking about the whole time. It's like playing the victim card, and, and you know, for this woman, you know, she's she gets to call the cops and she gets to feel like she has been victimized, um, even though this whatever she has going on with the FedEx driver. Seems to be an ongoing issue, and it seems to be only an issue that she has with the FedEx driver. So I don't know. I don't
0: know. And just is it well dippy? Very dippy lady. No, the FedEx driver cannot give you, ma'am. No, ma'am. We're not going to give you somebody else's package. We're not going to do that. And this need to control. She's policing the block, if you will, the complex. Even the police say. Ma'am, you you know you can go inside your unit. Well, you still have it. They need to get her out of there. Liability. She's a liability. The dog must be rescued. The dog must be rescued. I'm calling on PETA and anyone else out there. You gotta find out about this dog. Not very happy, would you be? This is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed, And for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today, Yasmin Ali Khan joins us. Um, We're having fun and we are chronicling the news. This next one, woo, it got me riled up, got me riled up, We're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed. in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Yasmin Aliya Khan joins us giving wonderful commentary, insightful commentary today. America has a lot of problems. And finally, because of one woman. We finally understand who's at the root of the bulk of them. Here's to you, single black mothers.
5: Yeah,
4: we are in a crisis, a pandemic with this single mothering. But it is a proven fact that single mother households produce the worst product. Facts. They're it's a fact. fact. Yeah. If you take two parent households single father household, single mother household. Statistically, based on facts, yep. the household with the woman heading it by herself produces the worst product. And for our people, for black people, for African American people, those single mother households are the reason why prisons are filled with a good majority of you our 10% right? right? So these are facts, you yep. sit this on the table, here go the facts. And then you say, so y'all need to start valuing men being involved in the lives of your children. I can't make you be with your baby daddy or we can't say that somebody has to stay with somebody. Because we know that children are being born out of situations where the two people aren't healthy together.
2: Yeah.
4: But you having access to a man and a woman during your upbringing needs to be brought back. Like I, 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 I got to laugh when I say this because you know the females get so mad.
0: Why would we be mad? I have what was in your smoothie this morning that made you just spew all of that? Atlanta Blackstar with the details on this one. Atlanta radio program B 103s is the Big Tigger Morning Show. I like Tigger. A lot of great morning programming that he puts on. Um, suspend her though. Will you do that? Suspend her. Posted a podcast clip on Instagram where a woman espoused her beliefs about single mother led households, resolving that they produce the worst product. It shows social media team saying in the caption the video has their audience quote riled up, many people in the comment section blasted her for casually tossing out her facts without context, adding that there are many instances where single black mothers have raised outstanding children who grew up to be exceptional adults. One person addressed her assertion that women are single parents because they don't want their fathers to be in their children's lives. She should change the verbiage from single mother to absent father and shift the onus of raising good children to the men who aren't showing up. Most women would welcome help from their children's father. Stop perpetuating this bitter baby mama trope, one person wrote that part. Research indicates that the United States has the highest percentage of children residing in single parent households, single mothers comprising 80% of these households. According to a 2022 report, From the US census, the data reveals that 51% of single mothers have never been married, while 29% are divorced. In-depth examinations of family structures challenge the use of terms like single mom household, with scholars arguing that these labels oversimplify complex family dynamics. The Pew Research Center advocates for terms like solo moms and solo dads, aiming to shift the discourse away from marital status. The term solo encompasses a broader spectrum capturing individuals raising children without support, whether from a parent or partner. This trope, angry black woman, angry single black woman, can't keep a man, can't keep a man. You're unworthy. There's actually something wrong with you. You're broken. You're bitter. It's sick. And I see this soup I'll call it a, a stew, a witch's brew, that's constantly being allowed to just simmer. I do think that's a problem. And I love it when people are just so confident. You know when someone pokes their chest out and then they, I mean, she smiled at the end. And I thought that was pretty gross as well as her counterpart who just kept co-signing. What, what are you bring to the conversation? You just kept saying, yep, 100%, you're right. Okay, um, I would like to see her data. Okay. But I saw one angry woman there who was, in my view, perhaps it's too much, doing some self-hate. But correct me if I'm wrong, Yasmin.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how at the end she said, oh, you know, the females or like the women, like they don't like when I say all Of course, they don't like when you say it because it's incredibly ignorant and it's, Paints everybody with such a broad stroke. And like, there's no way that you could possibly understand everybody's situation. First of all, also, let's not refer to children as products, maybe, you know. And I also have questions about her data and her sample size. You know, Mm -hmm. is she just out here judging her single mom friends and their kids? Is she judging strangers at the grocery Mm -hmm. store whose lives she couldn't possibly know anything about? Mm -hmm. I think whenever. I think most people would agree that two parents are better than one, or even better that you know multiple responsible adult figures are good for children, right? We don't have the communities to raise children like we used to, and there are several reasons for why that could be. But we're not going to shame single moms for doing the best with whatever circumstances their lives have given them, right? The circumstances that, again, this woman cannot possibly know. There's a reason why women and people in general probably don't like a lot of the things that this woman is saying.
0: And it starts from this basis of of proclaiming the integrity of someone. Mm -hmm. I don't know people who, you know, people prefer to stay single, that's one thing. I don't know people who say, I don't want to raise my child or have a companion. Let's just put it that way, okay? I don't want to do it with somebody else. I just don't know people like that who say, I don't want love, I don't want anything, unless there's trauma. Don't simplify this and don't State your opinion as fact. I may do that from time to time, but I try to give a disclaimer. This was meant to go viral. This was meant to fire us up. And I think I, I'm through with her for this moment, just perhaps this moment. We'll
5: move on. This
0: lawsuit. The alleges Quebec hospital has been sterilizing indigenous women. This is a huge issue. At least 35 in Quebec have been sterilized against their will since 1980. Quebec Superior Court has authorized a class action lawsuit filed on Monday by two indigenous women who say they were sterilized by doctors without their consent after their fifth births. Court says it's authorizing the suit on behalf of all women who have undergone this surgery that has impaired their fertility without having given their free and informed consent since 1980. This is from Jezebel, the data for the Canadian press. UT and MX both say they were subjected to tubal ligation without their consent after giving birth at their respective hospitals for a fifth time. One of the women alleges she didn't even know the procedure was being performed on her The other says she was coerced into having the procedure by her doctor. Plaintiffs blame an unnamed integrated health and social services center called CIS in Quebec for what was done to them per the Canadian press. The lawsuit states the organization allowed these criminal acts to be perpetrated with complete impunity by doctors. Unfortunately, here we go, not unique to Canada. Here in the United States, over a six year period in the 1970s, physicians sterilized an estimated 25 to 42 percent of indigenous women of childbearing age at the height of this movement in the U.S. In the early 20th century, at least 70,000 people, 32 states were subjected to involuntary sterilizations that disproportionately targeted disabled people, poor people, indigenous people, people of color. Quebec Superior Court Justice Lucas. Granisic wrote in his judgment, authorizing the class action suit this week, it is quite possible to argue that sterilizing a woman without her free and informed consent constitutes a civil fault, ethical misconduct, a criminal act, a violation of Quebec's Charter of Human Rights and Freedoms. The suit is ongoing, and who knows how many women could come forward. Barbaric, barbaric, Yasmin. And the fact that this is Canada, and so many just believe that, oh, Canada, beautiful place. It too has a dark history. Your take.
1: Yeah, you know, Canada, just like the United States, does not have a good history as far as the way that Uh, the immigrant population, I'll say, has treated the indigenous population. And I think in the US, you know, we talk about it more, we're more aware of it. You know, we have the Trail of Tears and Manifest Destiny, all these different things that are taught in schools. And in Canada, I don't know, I obviously don't know what Canadian children are taught in schools regarding their indigenous communities, but I know recent history has unearthed a lot of really, really unsavory details. And this is just adding on top of all of that, you know, I think most average people want to see people respected, especially the indigenous people, especially people who understand the hardships that they have gone through in the past and the hardships that they continue to live with to this day, right? In a lot of ways, they are still repressed and suppressed in society. They're not acknowledged the way they should be. And now they're, they're, they're you know sterilizing the women. It would be interesting to see if more women come forward after now this is all going public. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of it happening. But even you know, the, the, the cases that have come through, I think you said like around 30 or so, uh, that's, it's too many. It, it's, it's unfathomable that something like this could happen to a woman who's just going to the doctor.
0: Yeah, lawsuits, class action suits, that's one thing. Um, that's the remedy that we have, our country, Canada, wherever. But it's not going to make up for this incredible. This is assault. Yeah. Permanently scarred. You assaulted me. And you can have all the laws and the charters that the violated the charter that you want. But this to me is yet another example of you can't legislate valuing another human being that you don't see as human. You see as less than a subhuman, actually. And that's what comes to mind here. I picture people that we may otherwise like, your neighbor, someone that you see while out shopping and say, hey, Bob, how you doing? Your doctor friend, not offensive in any way. But this normal doctor, because I, I wouldn't, I would question it. I don't care how long it's been in practice. I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? Okay, why would I do that? Because I don't see that I'm doing anything wrong because I've been brought up to believe. These aren't like actually, you know, humans. They don't deserve all the rights that the rest of us have. Am I off base?
1: No, I don't think you are at all, especially because whenever we see similar types of of movements, I'll say whether that's like genocide or eugenics, things like that. Whenever we see things like that happening within societies, a lot of time, almost every time, I should say, the thing that precedes it is that dehumanization campaign, right? it's getting regular you know whoever the regular people are you know this one group it's getting this group of people to see that group of people as some kind of other and a lot of times that other doesn't take long to get to not even human at all and i don't know like i exist in this world as the daughter of immigrants i'm a brown female you know i'm not black i'm not white so i don't know if i like kind of see it it's unfathomable to me to see anyone as less than human. And I don't know if it's because I exist kind of in the middle somewhere of like these larger you know, polar scales that we have governing this country. But I just, I can't even, I feel like I can empathize with people usually, but I can't even like get into that headspace. I'm not seeing a person as a person.
0: I don't get it. You described a lovely cocktail and I see, never met your family, beautiful family. Who did not inject this, these thoughts, these feelings That's into true. you. Yeah, Perhaps it's just, so that doesn't even occur to you. Which wouldn't it be nice if that could spread more? Um, it's a horrific case, one that we will keep an eye on to our friends, Canada, up north. Okay. I mean, it is true that you walk down the street, you bump into a Canadian and they say, sorry. Okay, you bumped into them, but that does not tell the whole story. And so it's something we got to keep an eye on. More Indisputable when we come right back. Welcome to Indisputable, Sharon Readin' in for Dr. Richie today, Yasmin Aliah Khan is with us, TYT uh, extraordinary commentator and um, <laughs> I've been waiting to hear what she has to say about this one. It's when you say the quiet part way out loud. GOP congressman on Representative Santos expulsion, which is imminent at this time. GOP congressman says it would be politically advantageous for him to vote to expel George Santos because some of his constituents, quote, don't like the fact that he's gay. Representative Tim Burton. Represents the 2nd District in Tennessee. Representative remains undecided over whether to vote for a resolution to expel Santos from Congress. He also told Business Insider on Wednesday that voting for the expulsion would be politically advantageous for him. And that his constituents have long been calling for Santos to go. Politically, it'd be great. The greatest vote in the world for me back home, said Berkman who represents a broad swath of eastern Tennessee, including Knoxville. Everybody's saying, kick him out. One reason is that some of his constituents are uncomfortable with Santos's sexuality. I mean, people don't like the fact that he's gay. And then you go down the list, then you get to all the criminal stuff. But he hasn't been convicted, and I, I can't get past that. Santos is already facing federal charges for wire fraud, money laundering, identity theft. Set to face an expulsion vote on Friday after the House Ethics Committee released a damning report on his conduct earlier this month. He has said that he expects to be expelled and will wear it as a badge of honor. Pressed over whether Santos' sexuality was really a factor in his constituents' minds, the congressman insisted it was. Down deep, that's a lot to do with it. It's not cool. I'm a libertarian. It's your own business, whatever. Just don't tax me. You almost forget what the original question was. Okay. There's enough to discuss without talking about Mr. Santos's sexuality. There's the allegations of the Botox. He stole the money. That's the allegation to get Botox, is it Hermes or Hermes, you know, Yasmin, because there was- It's the the Ferragamo
1: loafers for me. Okay, Yeah.
0: yeah, he liked designer items, apparently, and he's in trouble, perhaps. But I don't understand how we got here, Congressman, because I thought we were talking about your boat and what you might do. And I haven't really learned what you might do, just that you don't want to be taxed. And oh, yeah, by the way, people back home don't want gay.
1: Yeah, that was like the most libertarian thing to say. I don't care what you do. Just don't tax me, right? Yeah, there are a lot of reasons to actually vote to expel George Santos. These reasons that have been given are not the reasons to vote to expel anyone from Congress, right? what an insane precedent to be setting you know you're expelling your political enemies you're expelling diversity you're expelling people that you don't like these are the wrong reasons to expel people from congress and they need to remember that right there are reasons to there there are so many reasons that you've already mentioned that you've already listed as to why somebody like george santos should not be in congress and they need to focus on those because otherwise like it's such a slippery slope like oh it would be politically advantageous for me if this guy wasn't there, yeah, that's the game. You have to play it, right? Sometimes you don't like it, but you don't get to expel people that you don't like or expel people just to boost your own political career.
0: George Santos, Jasmine says, I'm being bullied. They're bullies, the press pushed him. But what, what makes them bullies? He said, I don't know, ask them. But I'm being bullied. This is a, he said, this is the third time that they're contemplating this, the third time that they're judging me in this way, I think there are bullies in Congress. The Congressman here, Birch, should know, wasn't he just on a couple weeks ago accusing Kevin McCarthy of, he elbowed him in the kidneys or something? Did he have to get his kidneys checked out? I don't know, but he said it was very hard, he was very angry about it. And now Santos says, I am being bullied here. And I think when it comes to his sexuality being used or mopped, <laughs> I think he he makes a point. Although he made his statements before the congressman made his, but I'm sure a lot of things have gone down in the halls of Congress. You think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we've seen evidence that things go down in the halls of Congress that are uncouth that's putting it very nicely. Uh, Maybe he is being bullied a little bit, but he's also acting like he doesn't have actual things, actual skeletons in his closet, actual reasons Mm. as to why he should not be in Congress, right? You can focus on the bullying aspect of it, right? That's not good. You can call it dirty politics if you want, whatever. But I mean, he, he shouldn't be there, you know, and whether or not, I mean, it's still up to Congress to decide that ultimately. But I think it's important to remember to to bring that conversation back around away from the things that are more dangerous as far as precedent, right? You can't expel someone for being gay. You can't expel someone because your constituents don't like gay people, right? That's not okay. That is not celebrating diversity, especially not in the Republican Party. And God knows we need more diversity in the Republican Party. But now we're actually seeing why there isn't more diversity in the Republican Party, because whenever they get it, they expel it.
0: Yeah. I think that about sums it up. I mean, you can't, well, then again, that uh, fringe who just put BLM in the title, Mr. Was it Jackson that we talked about earlier? Or
1: Fisher, was it?
0: Fisher, uh, I'm sorry, he didn't make more of an impact on me, but I'll I'll get my notes together on that. The bottom line is talking out of both sides of your mouth. You don't really want diversity. Santos being expelled, potentially, not really about diversity, but maybe about fraud and some other things. It's just a mess. I will end it with this. I think that the best case to be made for Santos not to be expelled is that he's in good company. A lot of people lie. A lot of people misappropriate. And they're still there. So it's an exclusive club. And uh, I think he perhaps has met the qualifications of some. We'll move on. Um, when you start talking about a woman's uh, looks, that's a problem. A big problem. It means you don't want to debate the rest. Oh, I was still going to go to break, but um, we could do it now. Want to do it now or tease it? <laughs> because I have a lot to say about this one, and Yasmin, I know you will too. I tell you what. Yeah, well, on the well, other let's, side tease, it, it. let's, yeah, the let's break. tease it. Yeah, let's tease it. On the other side of this, um, well, we we tease you with you saw the picture, <laughs> Representative Omar. Uh, You're not going to do this to her. Not today. We're right back with more. Welcome back to Indisputable. Here's your headline. Omar's Democratic challenger says she's not cute enough to hold office. Is this what we're doing? I think she's darling. But is this what we're doing? Is that what her contribution is? Look at her skin, she's flawless. But again, why do we have to even talk about that? I'll give you the details, who's behind this. Her mother, Jones, former Minneapolis City Council member, Don Samuels, one of the primary challengers to Representative Ilhan Omar, Democrat out of Minnesota, mentioned a reason he thinks she's unfit for office. Omar is allegedly not cute enough. During an appearance last week on the weekly politics podcast, The Breakdown, one of the co-hosts asked Samuels to elaborate on his Criticisms of Omar's alleged lack of town halls and constituent services. Here is how he responded.
3: And so to see government not be responsive like that to the people who pay them, it is offensive to me. And to not be responsive and available to those people, to to meet with them and find out what their concerns are and to answer their tough questions to not get back to people on the phone, who do you think you are? And who do you think you're working for? You're not cute enough. You don't dress well enough. Nothing about you is attractive enough to overcome that deficit.
0: I do some media training, and I just, just a thought, if you're not prepared to answer the question, it might even be better to just say pass. this. I love stream of consciousness, but what the hell? Congresswoman responding on X saying, quote, this is beneath the dignity of any adult, let alone someone seeking public office. It is reminiscent of the worst kinds of lies and misogyny that we are hearing from people like Donald Trump, who think they can say anything about women and get away with it. Like Trump, instead of engaging in an adult debate, Don Samuels relies on lies and sexism. We need civility now more than ever, and Don's behavior should be alarming to anyone who agrees. Omar's senior advisor also disputed Samuel's claim about her alleged lack of town halls, writing on X that the congressperson has held multiple town halls every quarter this year. An Eventbrite page advertising Omar's town halls appears to show she has held six this year, five of which were in person. Mother Jones with the data there for us. Now, in a statement provided to Mother Jones, Samuels, who nearly ousted the three-term congresswoman as the Democratic House nominee in the 2022 primary, coming up just about 2,500 votes short, said Omar's reposts mischaracterized his comments, which he claims weren't about her specifically, but were instead about politicians who talk the talk versus walk the walk. Mr. Samuels, hello, Mr. Samuels, that's you. We just heard your comments. That's you, okay? You made up something about it that wasn't true, and you were talking about her. At least that's what I heard. That's what I heard. When he announced his challenge, well, there's this one first, another quote. In listening to my full answer, it's abundantly clear that I'm talking broadly about politicians who value their own celebrity over the needs of their constituents, Samuels added. We shouldn't be surprised. Representative Ilhan Omar saw herself in my response. There was a song, was it, you must think this is about you, right? Am I right? (laughs) So that's really what he's accusing. And this is really, again, I have to, perhaps my vocabulary is off today, but again, I'm coming back to the word dippy. We just heard what you said, sir, and you were talking. You said she's not cute enough and she doesn't dress well enough. That's what you said. When he announced his challenge to Omar earlier this month, Samuels, who has also come out swinging against Omar's critiques of U.S. support for Israel and policing in Minneapolis, points to last year's contest, claiming that the race laid the foundation for a rematch that holds the promise of a better future for a district. But that was also before he insinuated that the incumbent's appearance shapes her ability to govern. Disagree with me all you want. Go ahead. But what do you want me to say when you start pointing to my outfit, the way I look? I Again, how can this person be qualified for this public position? Yes, but if any woman votes for him after hearing that, I don't understand it.
1: Yeah, but you you know women will vote for him because we've seen them vote for even bigger misogynists in the past. You know, I would love to see a much cuter Congress, uh, in my opinion. There's a lot of people in Congress currently who I would, you know, sub out for cuter counterparts if I could, right? But, like, this whole thing is so ridiculous. I'm inclined. I, I want to defend her, right? You know, she's a mother. She's 41, She looks incredible. As you said, she has flawless skin, but I shouldn't have to say any of that. It almost cheapens the point, right? Even if she happened to not look as good as she does, it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. The only things that should matter are her policy positions and her effectiveness in office and how much her constituents like her, just how good she is at her job. He's citing some kind of pretty privilege that Omar Ilhan is apparently or Ilhan Omar is apparently exercising without you know having the right to at least in his opinion. he sounds uneducated, he sounds ignorant and simple, and he clearly has nothing better to say. you know if he wanted to criticize her political positions, fine, that's good, and he should do that. That's what our political system is designed for, but he's not even doing that no yeah. listen, if you want to critique her
0: appearance the nBC had a show about it. There were those five guys. And they would size you up and put you back together. And they did it with love. They were very they were very kind, actually. Do a show like that. Leave the congresswoman alone. And you weren't even right about most of her town halls were in person five this year in person. And then another one. What about you, Samuels? You're up. You got next. Uh, we'll follow the race and the fallout. Yasmin, tell people where they can find your great commentary, your great work.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on the Rebel HQ YouTube channel. I do content four times a week over there. And also I have a podcast called Modern Context, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We love it. Love the podcast. Love your commentary. I, I view your commentary. A lot of it's listed there. Um, so folks should check it out. We appreciate you. And um, we appreciate you at home watching more. I'm Sharon Reading for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Thanks for having me today. I'll see you again.
6: Indisputable is still the fastest-growing news show in America compared to CNN, Fox News, and 30 other networks. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is Indisputable. We go places that other news media outlets refuse to go. When there were human rights abuses happening at the Victorville prison, guards and members of the community contacted us.
4: You, through your investigative reporting, unearthed very troubling allegations about specific forms of abuse and discrimination in the federal prison system
6: it really doesn't take much to be a trusted voice all it takes is to be fearless report on matters be an advocate i called it the bullpen intentionally because it's a place of preparation we present individuals who may have an opposing view so we debate sometimes we interview individuals because their stories deserve to be heard a survivor of significant police misconduct and his attorney. We covered this story earlier and we remind you of the horror of one man being shot at damn near 100 times by the police. We take time on this show to showcase the temper tantrums of Karens in the wild. We do this not because we want to see people's emotional outbursts in public, but because these incidents are emblematic of a bigger societal issue taking place across the nation, and it has to be checked. My friend, my big homie, attorney at law, Benjamin Kroc. I just want to thank you, man. When educated, articulate brothers like yourself speak truth to power, it makes a great difference in changing the landscape in America. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.